Brother Randy, that's good. I'm going to request right now you sing that at my funeral. I hope you're in a walker when you're singing it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Y'all get that later, won't you? Amen. I mean, I'm praying he's real old. Amen. And I'll tell you what, I'll sing it at yours. If um, all the hobbies he has, he's going to go sooner than me, I'll guarantee you. Skin deep sea diving and all kinds of motorcycle riding. I think his wife took that away from him. Amen. But anyway. Praise God for that. But anyway, uh, um, some people can ride him. Brother Mark, he's, he's probably calm enough to ride a motorcycle. But uh, Brother Randy, he don't fit on a motorcycle, I guarantee you. Amen. He needs a Mercedes with padded uh, all the way around. Amen. Thank God. All right, let's, let's get serious. First John, we have a visitor tonight. We're glad to, uh, one of the visitors from camp visiting with us. I tell you, you meet good people at camp. And uh, Brother Kiker will uh, shoot me taking his uh, members out of the church. So don't tell him I invited you. It was Trey's fault. Amen. But anyway, let's go uh, first, first John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. Uh, but it's good to have good friends that you meet in a good place like Sand Mountain Bible Camp. I think it's all right. Amen. Meet people. Now, you know, don't get serious too quick, but I mean, you can be good friends. Amen. All right. First John chapter 3. I'm going to stop meddling and start preaching in just a minute. Amen. I'll run the visitors out before they get in the door. Amen. <laughs> My wife and I were talking about our first date uh, before the service. And this August 23rd, it'll be 50 years ago that uh, I met her at a meat market. She was at a collard green stand. I was at a, a chitlin stand. And uh, we were ha selling ham hocks and uh, stuff I didn't want to sell, but... It was $12 a day, and so I had to work 12 hours for that 12 months. You can tell the Cofield family was a little Jewish, and um, $12 for 12 hours. But anyway, uh, we went on our first date, and that was 50 years ago, August 23rd. And so um, I got to plan something special for August 23rd, real special. That's got, we got to do something, amen, I don't know, Waffle House or something, amen, but anyway, we're going to find something special. Let's get to the preaching, 1 John chapter 3, and I want to back up to the 2 John 3.16 in the Bible, amen, and I want to preach on the secrets of effective prayer, but if you'll look at the middle of the, of the uh, cover sheet, it's Bible secrets revealed. Now folks, you, a lot of people say, oh, it's a mystery how to pray, oh, I don't know how to pray. I want to tell you something, the most essential thing about your life is your prayer life, amen, and I'll say this. Uh, there is nobody that knows how to pray. We're going to have a Sunday school lesson on prayer uh, on the five-star Christian uh, series. And I'm going to tell you, uh, it's going to be great. And some people are panicking right now because they're saying, why are you preaching on it? Because I'm in the scripture and I uh, didn't know this series was going to take place, but God did. And uh, it's like Joe Arthur and Scott Paul, they preached from the same text Thursday night. One of the greatest services they said that it was ever took place. Same subject on the fullness of the Spirit of God. So I'm going to be preaching on effective prayer, and I hope that you will uh, pay attention and be back in Sunday school. Let's stand on the Word of God, 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16, 1 John 3.16, and then we'll preach a little while on the Bible secrets revealed on how to be effective prayer. I believe this with all my heart, that you ought to be more interested in the subject of prayer than almost anything, because I'm going to tell you something, some people are dependent on your prayers. And I want to tell you something, if you don't learn how to get a hold of God, and if you can't get a hold of God, 
you are doing a disservice to who, all the people you're praying for. So you need to make sure you're getting through. Look at 1 John 3, 16. It says, Hereby the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And one way to do that is through prayer. But whoso hath his world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shut up, up, shut, shut up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In other words, put some feet on your prayer. And why we know that we are of the truth and shall, uh, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemneth not, then have we confidence towards God and whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things which are pleasing in His sight. And this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of, of the Son of, Son Jesus Christ, His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us His commandments. And he that keepeth His commandments dwelleth in Him, and He in Him. And hereby we know that he, that he abideth in us by the Spirit which He has given us. You may be seated as I pray. Father, teach us to pray. Enable us to pray. Give us a hunger for prayer. I believe the hardest thing that most Christians try to do is pray. And Lord, help us to know when we're on praying grounds and when our heart is clear and committed and clean so we can get our prayers answered. And we're going to praise you and we're going to thank you for what you do in and through this message and the Sunday school lesson and probably next Wednesday night's message on how to have an effective prayer life. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a Sunday school teacher one time was struggling to open a combination lock on a supply cabinet and she had forgotten the combination. And that's really dangerous. How many's ever forgot a password, all you Facebookers? And, and, uh, oh, that's terrible, isn't it? And finally she went to the pastor and asked him if he could help. The pastor came in the room, began to turn the dial, and after the first two numbers he paused, and he stared blankly uh, for a moment, and finally he serenely turned his face uh, towards heaven. His lips moved slightly. Then he looked back, and the lock turned to the final number, and the lock opened. The teacher said, Pastor, I'm amazed at your faith how you can pray and get an answer like that so quick. And the pastor replied, oh, it's nothing. The number uh, of the combination is on a piece of tape on the ceiling. So a lot of times people uh, act like they're praying and they think they can pray, but they really just got a piece of tape on the ceiling. Folks, you need to know how to get a hold of God. And first of all, I want you to see that you need to be praying with a clean heart. Look at verse 20, where it says, if our heart condemn us, God and knoweth all things. First of all, we need to pray with a clean heart. Folks, if you have a, a sin in your life, uh, Psalm 66, 18, the Bible says if you regard iniquity in your heart, he will not hear you. That means regard means you know it's there, but you just take it for granted. You don't confess it, and you don't forsake it, and you've got sin in your life, you cannot get through to heaven. We need to have a clean heart when it comes to praying. And uh, I like Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2, where it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities, my iniquities, um, have 
separate us between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Now, I don't know about you, friend, but I don't believe there is a little sin in the world if it hides God's face from you. I don't believe there's a little sin in, in, in this world if that sin condemns you, and the word condemn means to note against or find fault with, and there's something in your heart where you cannot boldly come to the throne of grace. Uh, Warren Wiersbe said this about uh, the uh, conscience. He said, it's like an inner man in the courtroom. The judge sits at the bench, and the judge is also the witness, and the jury, and the whole group in the courthouse is known as your conscience. And folks, we all have a conscience. But I'll tell you something, that conscience can be seared. That conscience can be stymied. That conscience uh, can be uh, uh, to a level where you don't have any conscience. I believe we live in a world that's unconscionable. I believe there's a world that just has no uh, conviction. Uh, they have no fear. They have no morals. But they have no conscience. They don't care what they do. They don't care what they say. I was appalled at our uh, uh, soccer team. The girls are the world famous number one soccer team. And she cusses and profanes the, house, uh, the White House. She ought to be kicked off the team. And she looks like a lesbian. She probably is one. That's why she hates the White House that stands against it. But I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, it's, we live in a day and age where it don't, it don't matter what I say. It don't matter what people hear me say or do. And folks, we need to realize that the conscious is a God-given gift. And the Bible says this in verse 20, For if our heart condemn us, our conscious, then greater, greater than the heart, and no, uh, God is greater than the heart and knoweth all things. So you can fool yourself, but you can't fool God. You can fool your wife, not much, but you can fool her some. But you cannot fool God. He's got your number. He knows what's in your heart. By the way, He knows why you pray when you pray. You know, a lot of people use God as a, as a, a grocery boy or um, uh, one of these newfangled, uh, I hadn't had a uh, nerve to do this, where you order your groceries before you go to Kroger's and you sit in that little slot and some lady comes out there in these black boxes and has all the stuff and she feels free to substitute whatever you want. I hadn't tried that. I think it would be very lazy. Uh, uh, you know, somebody gave me a thermostat recently where I can talk to the thermostat. I don't even have to get up and say, turn it down, you know. So praise God, I've been hollering that thing all day. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, we're getting lazy, amen. We can't even go to the grocery store, but I think it'd be good for shut-ins, amen. And I believe it'd be good for people that uh, just can't control themselves to have to stop at a little bar at Kroger's, amen. You know, I mean, you, bought, you might as well just go ahead and mail order your, uh, your groceries. But I want to tell you this, friend. God's got your number and God knows what's in your heart, and God even knows your motive, so you need to get really close to God. This whole book of 1 John is on sweet fellowship and holy communion. And folks, we can have communion with God, and there's no greater index to your spirituality and your spiritual fullness than your prayer life. Ouch, that hurts. I studied this message, I said, man, I need, a, I need to get those, those uh, vacation Bible school converts at the altar got to the altar uh, last night before I went out visitation and lo and behold I couldn't read them because the cards were so dark I said well God you know them then Jason was so kind to type them all out on white paper today amen I told him next year use yellow cards amen we can copy those but you know after I prayed especially for the little girl that brother Eddie and I met uh, and went to that door you just would not believe how receptive the mother was 
and how kind and excited that her little girl got saved. And I was fear and trembling, you know, she's going to be some Catholic that don't understand and rebuke me and Miss Connie right there. And, and then, a, then a lady next door came out and says, I know you. And said, you preach a greater life. I said, I've never preached there in my life, lady. Oh, yeah, you have too. I said, okay, I'll preach there then, praise God. And we got to talking to her and had a good conversation with her. And she was in the, uh, uh, the same building but another apartment. And then the teenage girl comes out and she has uh, purple hair and, and she's not too interested in uh, a guy that has no hair. But boy, God captivated her heart. And she says, I want to come. And I thought, praise God. What made the difference? I think what made the difference was prayer. You say, well, how can you prove that? I can't prove that, but I want to tell you something. It won't hurt to pray before you go visit. And it sure won't hurt to pray after you visit and after you leave a track because God can do more in five seconds than you can do in 50 years. We need God. We need His power. We need to get a hold of God, but God dealing with our sin. That's the question. It's called conviction. Verse 20 says, your conscience condemns you. How much greater is God? And uh, folks, it's called conviction. Look at verse 28, Brother Joel. It says, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. Greater than our heart. And knoweth all things. That ought to make you fear God. See, He knows why you're here tonight. He knows if you're to worship God. He knows if you're listening right now. He knows what's on your mind. A lot of you just changed your thought. Man, you just, I mean, you really did a, uh, you did a quick thought change then. Because what you're thinking wasn't what God wanted you to be thinking, amen? You're thinking, how long is this bald-headed, long-winded preacher going to preach? Or you were thinking, well, I wonder if uh, she's married or, uh, or lost or whatever, you know. Uh, or I'm thinking, you know, I'd rather be at the grocery store uh, at Kroger's uh, uh, getting a strawberry shortcake and going home and eat. He knew what you was thinking, and you changed it. Now you're spiritual. And God's saying, boy, here, you're spiritual, man. You're thinking about things. You're praying for the preacher. You're, you're, uh, you're beating the devil off his back in prayer. Folks, God knows. So why should we be fake? Why don't we just be real? And folks, that, this verse means a lot to me that God knows. He also knows when you're hurting. And he knows how you feel. And he knows why you feel wh how you feel. And he cares. God knows, but he cares. It'd be awful if God knew and he didn't care. He's not a marine sergeant that's trying to put you in KP. He's a heavenly father that wants to help you. So God knows. The first principle in prayer is you need to have a clean, clear heart towards God. It's more communion than it is asked in your little list. It's more than the sick list. It's a heavenly, urgent list. I want to ask you, how is your prayer life? I don't think none of our prayer life is what it ought to be. And then number C, God's discernment of our sin. It says in the last phrase, and, God, and He knoweth all things. Turn to Psalms 139, verse 2 through 4. Psalms 139, 2 4. I'm going to introduce the message and then I'm going to preach it next week. Or I'll let the Sunday school teachers teach it for all I care. That'd be good. But look at Psalms 139. Uh, and I want you to look at the great chapter. It's, a, it's the greatest chapter on, uh, uh, to put the uh, abortion crowd in their place. It's the greatest, it's the greatest chapter to... Realize that uh, life begins at conception because it even has the word embryo in the chapter. Uh, but look at, verse, um, look at verse 2. It says, 
For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Boy, that's convicting, isn't it? Have you been sassy towards somebody today? Have you been critical? Somebody was telling me they were at a church meeting and everybody was critical, cynical, you know, criticizing things, off-color remarks, sly remarks. God knows what you say in the hallway. God knows what you say to young ladies that's inappropriate, men. He knows. He knows. That's convicted. Look at verse 5. Thou, thou hast beset me beside, uh, behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Amen. Look, look at verse 4. It says, and there is not a word in my mouth. But let's go back to verse 2. It says, thou knowest my downsettings, my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compass my um, path and my lying down and art acquainted with my, all my ways. He knows what's on your mind. Penny for your thought. I'll tell you what. Folks, God help us not to get the Hollywood philosophy that it's all right to say anything you want to and to go against God's word. God's discernment of our sin. Then I want you to see not only should we have a clean heart, but have a confident heart. Look at verse 21. Praying with a confident heart. And uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's about uh, coming to Him, believing that He is. It's a great definition of prayer. Believing that He is. Believing that He is. And that He's a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek Him. And it says it's impossible to please God except by what? Faith. Faith. And so we need to come to God with confidence, but not cockiness. Some people pray like this. Oh, God, you've got to do what I want to do. I'll tell you what, some of these TV evangelists try to demand God and command God to do this and do that. I'd be afraid God strike me dead. They don't fear God. They don't even know God. They're probably lost trying to demand God around, trying to make God a show, trying to become millionaires by being these faith healers. But look at this. The Bible says in verse 21, 1 John 3, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. Now, our heart is our mind, will, and emotion. As a man thinketh in his heart. It's not this, you know, everybody says, well, I think my heart's okay. It's beating, you know, pretty regular. No, that's not the heart in the Bible. The heart is the mind, the will, and the emotion. And folks, your mind, your will, and your emotions need to be right because we need to come to him believing that he is. I love James chapter 1 where it says that, you know, you'll not get anything by uh, wavering. Uh, you need to come to God and approach Him with faith. And folks, I want to tell you something. He is, he is, he is uh, flattered and He is honored by your big request. And the Bible says that uh, don't think you can get anything, uh, anything wavering and being uh, fickle when you talk to God. Look at verse 6 of James chapter 1. It says, but let him... Act Asked in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with wind and tossed. That's against a lot of people's personality. They've never been confident about anything, especially about asking for things. But I believe when we approach God and we know our heart is clean and that our, our motive is pure, that we can come to Him and we can come with boldness. And we can come to Him by faith. By faith. Uh, I want you to turn to... Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, and it's just next door of James, in verse 16. 
Hebrews 4.16. The Bible says this. It says, let us therefore come boldly. Now, I think we ought to figure out what the therefore is about. So we'll go back to verse 15. Verse 14, if you really want to see what therefore means. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Verse 15 of Hebrews 4. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He's a powerful God to not sin. But look at this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Folks, there's boldness to approach God. But then we ought to have also boldness to ask God. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, you all know the verse, but I wish you'd circled some of the words in that verse. But Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says this. It says, now unto him that is able. How many believe God's able? Sometimes we lose that, don't we? We, we really lose that. After we ask 10 years, we just kind of say, well, it, he's not able. But I want to tell you something. God's able to do his will. And sometimes God knows best. If you only knew if that prayer had been answered, what would have happened in your life, you might praise God when you get to heaven. Amen? Some people get bitter at God when they don't answer. He don't answer their prayers the way he, that you want him to answer. But God has a veto power, and he's over all, and he knows best. And sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait a minute, or wait a year, or wait a lifetime, and then I'll show you the reason I didn't answer that prayer. Now that's hard to, con- that's hard to conceive. But I want to tell you something. When you God, you can know he's able to abundantly above all that you ask or think. According to the power within us. Why? Verse 21, here's the whole key to prayer. Unto him be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus, through all ages, world without end. Amen. God wants the glory. Some people pray for healing from cancer. Why don't God answer? Because he knows he'll give you grace to magnify his name more during the trial. As Miss Newberry suffered all years. Why did he not answer that prayer? Well, God's got a bigger plan, a greater plan, and he does exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. In our prayer life, we've got to put our life in God's hand and say, dear Lord, I don't know the answer to do, and I'm praying for it. And you ought to pray with confidence. You ought to boldly approach him, not in your, your cockiness, but in the blood of Jesus and by the Spirit of God. I'll get to this next week, but you have a divine escort. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 29. His name is the Holy Spirit. And if you grieve him, he will not intercede for you. He will not escort you into the throne room of God. He'll not veto your prayer. He'll not change your prayer. He'll not lead your prayer. He'll he'll just leave you on your own in praying. And that is the most futile praying you can ever have is fleshly praying. You need to pray in the Spirit. Some people think it's Shandala Bandala Bandala tongue speaking. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with tongues. It's ridiculous. Somebody said, Do you have the prayer tongue? I listen, I don't have the prayer tongue. I have a hard enough time with English. And I know one thing when I pray, I remember what I pray, and when he answers, I give him the glory. 
If I'm praying in some unknown gibberish, I don't even know if he answered it. But most of the charismatics say, yeah, he did answer it. I know he did. I don't know what I prayed, but I know he answered it. Amen. Praise God. That's good. But I want to tell you something, friend. It's not tongue speaking. It's heart speaking. And By the way, Romans chapter 8, where they get that out of context, it says you can't give an utterance. And when you can't give an utterance, that means you can't even speak a word of English. You're just there saying, Lord, I don't know what to pray. And the Holy Spirit puts on your heart what to pray. The Holy Spirit gives you power. The Holy Spirit gives you hunger. I want to tell you something, folks. The key to effective praying is summed up in one person, the Holy Spirit. I mean, we can go through lessons. We can go through formulas. We can clean our heart, confident heart, all these points, all these verses. But it comes down to this. Are you yielded and filled with the Spirit of God? And here's the index to it. I'll give you a quote at the end of the sermon, which we're coming up to. The greatest index for spiritfulness is your prayer life. Ouch. Ouch. I'm wondering if I'm really filled with the Spirit of God. Because my prayer life's not what it ought to be. How about yours? If, you, if it is, I want you to come up here and preach this message. Because none of our prayer life's what it ought to be. And that means that our spiritfulness is not what it ought to be. When you're full of the Spirit, there's one thing the Lord... The Spirit wants to do. He wants to crown Him as Lord. He wants you to lean on Him as Lord. He wants you to depend on Him as Lord. And He wants you to ask to bless you as Lord. Any way He wants to. And the Spirit of God gives you utterance that you cannot utter. You can't even pray. But God gives it to you. And I'll show you those verses next week. So we have boldness in our approach, boldness in our asking. And then last but not least, or next to last, praying with a committed heart. Look at verse 22. We'll try to close. First John chapter 3. It says, And whatsoever you ask, you receive of him because you keep his commandments. Isn't that great? It says, Whatsoever you ask. Look at this. And, and do those things which please, are pleasing in his sight. Now, folks, here's the key. If you do things pleasing in his sight, you're not going to pray for your selfish motives. You're not going to pray for your selfish desires. You're not going to pray for a quick fix. You're not going to pray to just feel good. You're not going to pray for a million dollars. You're not going to pray to win the lottery and go gamble. If you're pleasing God, you're going to pray for what pleases Him. You'll want to please Him. That'll, your desire will be His delight, and his, your delight will be His desire. Psalms chapter 37, I believe it is. Maybe 42. Yes, 37. And folks, you, His delight becomes your desires, and your desires becomes His delight. You're just melted in His oneness. How is that possible? Spiritfulness. Spiritfulness. The escort to the throne of God comes into the throne of God and says, Hey, listen, ask this. No, I don't think you ought to ask this right now. He vetoes, He checks your prayer life. He leads you in His prayer life. He gives you a hunger for prayer. Most of us would never pray unless the Spirit prompted us. And see, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to say it very, very honestly. Some people have to fall on their spiritual face and become shipwrecked and desperate before they lean on the Spirit of God for prayer. Because they've always prayed in their intellect. They've always prayed in their determination. They've always prayed in their emotions. They've never prayed in the Spirit. The Bible says in Jude, we ought to pray in the Spirit. And folks, that means surrounded by the Spirit, depending upon the Spirit, led by the Spirit, longing by the Spirit. And so here's the commandment defined in verse 22. It says, Whatsoever you ask, you receive him because you keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. 
Now the Bible says that you can have whatsoever you ask. But you'll never ask to miss if you're in the Spirit and you're, and you're pleasing Him. You'll never please Him unless you're in the Spirit. So when you're in the Spirit, God guides your prayer life. Look at verse 23. And this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ. How about that? Godward, that command is get saved. He commands you to get saved. He doesn't beg you to get saved. He doesn't play games for you to get saved. The Bible says He commands you to be saved. It's God's will for people to be saved. That ought to give you a little boldness in witnessing. It's a commandment. Now, He doesn't make you saved, uh, Reformed Baptist Church up the road, Halper Calvinist. And you don't have no choice. You know, whoever's going to be predestined to go to hell is going to hell, and whoever's predestined to go to heaven is going to heaven, and you can't make anything, so you sit there and become intellects. Uh, in the service and never get out of the office and go soul winning. Never go visiting like four or five people went last night. You never get out of the door. Why? Because it's all up to God, so it doesn't matter what we do. Yes, it does. We plant the seed and whosoever will. Whosoever will. We're not hyper-Calvinists. Now, salvation's of God, but folks, salvation's commanded of God. And then manward, it says in verse 23, and that we love one another as He gave us commandments. So the first commandment, Godward, is get saved. The second commandment is act saved. The first commandment is for God so loved the world, John 3, 16. But the second commandment is love others. Love others like he loves you. And then verse 24, here's the commandment displayed. It says, and he that keepeth his commandment dwelleth in him. And he in him. So you can't live like you want to when you get saved. Number one, you won't, you'll want to. Number two is, if you're really saved, you'll want to serve God. And it says, and hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He has given us. Folks, I'm going to tell you what. The Spirit of God obeys. You yield to the flesh, you'll be a rebel. You yield to the flesh, you'll disobey God. You yield to the flesh, you might go to hell because you never will get saved. Because the flesh will not draw you and convict you you're a sinner. You'll think you're good enough or you can't get good enough or you can't get good enough to be saved. And so folks, listen, it all depends on a clean heart. Thank God a, a confident heart, but thank God a, 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 a committed heart. Folks, you ought to be wanting to be part of that answer. You pray for these kids and I hope you'll take this prayer list home and pray over it fervently, weep over these families. I mean, get a burden for them. And folks, you never put feet on your prayer, you're fooling yourself. You really don't care. Because if you cared, you'd pray and you'd put feet on your prayer. You'd, you'd go to the commandment of going into the world. But let me just close and I'll just introduce this point and then we'll preach it next week. You need to pray with the Lord's heart. Verse 24 said, by the Spirit which He has given us. And I'm going to go over this real quick. I've got about five minutes where I'm going to let you go. We need to, number one, know that the Lord, we need to know the Lord's loving by the Spirit. We need to know the Lord's loving by the Spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, that by the Spirit you can call Him Papa, Abba, Father. And folks, that's a term of endearment. Nobody calls me Papa except my grandbabies. And it's a term of endearment. They do not call me Brother Wayne. They do not call me Preacher. They do not call me pastor. They call me papa. Well, especially when they want something. Papa, 
Will you take us to the park? Papa, will you take us to Zaxby's? That's Thatcher's favorite restaurant. I mean, we're about winged out every time he comes. I just that, you know, Zaxby's. So don't you have one in Alpharetta? I say kindly, Papa. And folks, listen, Romans 8, 15, by the Spirit, by the Spirit, you can have a relationship, father-son, father-daughter. It's close. And I want to tell you something. It's so close, you know what your father will give you if you asked. And you know what he won't give you, so why ask? He's not going to give you the keys to the Mercedes when you're 12 years old. Amen? I don't care how loud you, I don't care if you pray in tongues to your daddy. I don't care if you shout, cry, and you ask for the keys at 12 years old to the car that he owns. You'll not get it. You're going to have to be about a senior or a junior and have tests and, and prove yourself. Amen? Come on. It's, it's out of the will of the Father. But you know the will of the Father. If you're in the Spirit, you know the will of the Father. And so, folks, you know, number one, He loves you. And He's not going to give you anything that will hurt you. He's going to give you what you need. That's a loving father. Number two, you know the Lord's longing by the Spirit. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. I don't have time to get there, and I couldn't find it real quick, so y'all get there. The Bible compares the Spirit of God to the Spirit of supplication and wisdom. Spirit of prayer. Let me just say this, friend. Without the Holy Spirit, you are wasting your time coming to the prayer room. But you ought to come to the prayer room because you might, you might get your prayers uh, answered through somebody that's in the Spirit to make the request. You're not on praying ground, but somebody in that group ought to be on praying ground. I hope your pastor is. But I want to tell you something, friend. He's a spirit of prayer. In James chapter 4, uh, turn there real quick. James chapter 4, and we'll get into a whole study of praying in the Spirit next, next Wednesday. But James chapter 4 says that uh, we ought to draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to us. Amen? I love that. I love this chapter. It's, how to have an undeniable prayer life. James chapter 4 and verses 1 through 4 says this. It says, From whence cometh wars and fightings among you, come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members. You lust and you have not, you kill and desire to have. You cannot attain, you fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. And you asked and received not because you asked amiss. You missed God's will that you may consume it upon your lust. Folks, prayer is not a lustful experience. It's a spiritual experience. It's the most spiritual time of your life should be your prayer life. Look at this. Ye adulterers and adulteress, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. And God does not bless enemies. God does not bless enmity. God does not bless sin. God's not so hard-pressed that He uses sinful vessels. Folks, you must approach God in the Spirit, and the way you approach God in the Spirit is let Him be Lord. Clean your heart. Clear your heart. Lead your heart. Give you a longing. I guarantee if it wasn't for the Spirit of God, none of us would pray, hardly any. The Spirit leads you to pray. The Spirit gives you a longing to pray. And the Spirit of God gives you understanding how to pray. But look at this, verse 5. It's the most unusual verse in James. It says, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, 
The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. The spirit lusteth to envy? What's that mean? I'll tell you exactly what it means. The spirit of God longs. And he's envious when you love the world more than you love God. You love sin more than you love the Savior. And you love this, you love Satan more than you love the Savior. He, lo- he longs for you to love him. And he longs for you to let him lead you. And then what does it say? But he giveth more grace, wherein he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So God gives us the grace to pray. The Holy Spirit gives us grace. How to have an undeniable prayer life is let the Lord, Spirit of God, give you a longing to pray, and a leading to pray, and a loving to pray. And then it says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Now, picture that for a second. God comes right along beside you. It would be neat, wouldn't it? It would be wonderful. But not only does he come alongside you, he's inside of you. He's the Holy Spirit. And it says, draw nigh to him and draw nigh, uh, draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. It's a communion, it's a fellowship. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, that means humble. And mourn and weep. You ought to say, Lord, I cannot go visit those kids without God. I cannot talk to their parents. I have not the courage. I don't have the wisdom. I don't even really care, God. But you ought to really pray. Lord, you'll give me a caring spirit. You'll give me tears, maybe. You'll give me a broken heart for them. You'll let me see their future without Jesus. And folks, some of the homes, Jason was telling me some of the homes that Chris and him visited last night, it broke his heart that, Pete, that our kids have to live in that. Some of them looked like they ought to be condemned. He thought they were vacant buildings. They were their homes. That's where they live. Their only hope they have is to take the Savior and move towards lordship and get out of that junk. That's the only hope they have. But see, you really won't care because it'll interrupt your little league ball game and you won't go so in it. It'll interrupt your camping day so you won't go on Saturday. It'll, it'll interrupt your washing day and you won't go on Saturday. Folks, stay up to midnight on Friday night and wash clothes. I know you working ladies have it hard, but once a month is not asking too much to go knock on a door and say, I care. Amen? Let the clothes go. Tell them to wear dirty socks one more day. We're going to go soul winning. I care enough for souls to put my personal convenience aside. That's why Paul got up from the bloody torture that he had, the, 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 the dump out of, outside Lystria, and he came to himself and said, well, I'm going to go preach at Derby, but as soon as I get finished planting the gospel, I'm going back to where I was almost killed and confirmed. That's a burden. I guarantee that'd be the last place I'd go back to. Hey, you don't have to hurt my feelings, but if you slap me around a little while, I ain't going to come back to the house and say, go do it again, unless I'm really in the Spirit. I mean, really in the Spirit. Go ahead, hit me again. I'm, I'm back again. You beat the fool out of me yesterday, so I'm back again knocking on your door. Hey, would you let Johnny come ride that bus? Pow! Hit you again. Next week, you're back again. Now, folks, the only thing you probably get hurt is your feelings because they'll slam the door in your face. 
They won't slam your face like they did Paul. So what I preached Sunday night was very serious. If he risked his life and was beat to a pulp and left for dead and then goes back to the same town to confirm those saints and get them in the local church, shouldn't we? But I want to tell you something, friend. We won't really care until we pray in the Spirit. We really don't know what to say until we pray in the Spirit. And we won't have power while we say it. Because you know what we need more than anything else and what I need more than anything else, especially in these last days of people on this Internet that has such a short attention span? I mean, y'all really have a short attention span compared to the old days. I mean, you, you, can, you can get off track. Some of you even got your little cell phones on right now and you just go to another page and I'm preaching my guts out, my heart out, and you're saying, well, I wonder if they like that. I wonder if they like that picture I posted five weeks ago. I'm mad at my friend for not liking it. She must just be my worst enemy not liking my picture. God, help us. Get a picture of hell while I'm preaching. Get a picture of Jesus on the cross while I'm preaching. And get the picture of the Word of God that will speak to your heart while I'm preaching. Amen. But I want to tell you what I need more than that. I need the divine ameners to make a trip to your pew and whisper in your heart, He's right. That's exactly the truth. I need that still, small voice backing my preaching up to your heart. And much more than that, when I knock on a door, and I'm scared to death because Daddy looks like a bear. And it looks like he just got off a drunk. I need the Holy Spirit to say, now don't you touch him. He's a man of God. And when I speak the word of God, they don't get angry and upset, which they might, but they say, the Holy Spirit says, that's from heaven. That's exactly what you need. That is my word. Don't mess with my man or my lady. I sent them. Behave yourself, Willie. I sent them. That's what I need. Say amen. That gives me boldness when I knock on the door. Because I'm going to tell you something. By nature, I'm a chicken. I'm a chicken. By nature, I don't like to get hurt. How many like to just go around and get hurt? Praise God, just slap me around a little bit. Hey, man, come on. I want to persecute it for Jesus. Not me, buddy. I want it nice. I want it like last night. I, me, and my, me and my wife were so excited, we went to the Cremo and got two-foot-long hot dogs with chili and slaw and celebrated on a date at the Cremo. After soul winning, because God used us. We were excited. Well, I was excited. She was pretty excited. You ever went on a date soul winning with your, 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 the love of your life? It's the best date you'll ever go on. And by the way, women and children just treat me nicer when my wife's next to my side. It's just a good, it's just a good appearance. Because she's a lot sweeter than I am. And a whole lot cuter. Amen. Sorry to call her. No, don't do that. She's pastor's wife. Don't call her cute. I might slap you. But look, look. God help us. God help us to be filled with the Spirit of God. Not in our soul winning, but in our supplication. Because if we're spirit filled in our soul winning, it'll be the results of our spirit filled supplication, our prayer life. I close with this thought. Can God work through your prayers? 
only as He is a truly Lord of your prayers? See, the Lordship is exercised entirely by the Holy Spirit. I want to give you these quotes. Let's go through them quick. Next one, Joel. We listen to His voice. We respond to His touch of power and offer ourselves in total surrender to His active Lordship so that, we, that He may indwell us. That's what everybody wants. Hold Holy Spirit in us. And fill us. Yes, that happens when you're saved. But listen to this. And pray through us. Wesley Duell, Prevailing Prayer. Best book on prayer I've ever read besides the Bible. Let me go to the next one. The connection between the prayer life and the spirit life is close and indissolvable. Prayer is the index of the measure of the Spirit's work in us. Andrew Murray. It's the index of your Spirit-filled life is how much you pray and do. And is your prayers getting answered? Oh, me. E.M. Bounds said this. He's from Washington, Georgia. I went to his grave site when I preached a revival over there. He said, would you pray with, with mighty results? Would you, would you pray with mighty results? then seek the mighty workings of the Spirit in your own spirit. And last but not least, J. Stuart Holden said this, Being filled with the Spirit is the only secret of a real prayer life. I want to repeat that. Being filled with the Spirit is the only secret of a real prayer life. Let's pray. When I said that, let's pray, I wonder how much of us will pray. I wonder if I'll pray. Or am I just going to spout some words off to close the service? Dear God, we really want to learn to pray. And God, the Holy Spirit, we want you to pray through us. And Lord, I know that without your Spirit, we're not even longing for prayer. We don't take time to pray. We don't make time to pray. We just go through the motions. We depend on our little personalities. We depend on our charisma. God, we, that's not enough. Because our personality can only touch a feeling. And our charisma can only touch maybe an emotion. But God, the Holy Spirit, you can touch a heart. And so, Lord, we, know we, need, we need a deep work in our lives. We need a prayer revival. We need to learn to pray and long to pray. We need to yield to pray. Lord, I pray, dear God, that you'd help us to be so filled with the Spirit of God, oh God, so filled with the Spirit of God, that we long to pray, that we even love to pray, and that we have the power of prayer is our prayer.